Welcome to the College Guidance Now podcast from College Guidance Network. I'm Melina Printakis. Over the course of this series, you'll hear from expert voices all across the college admissions space. Admissions officers, school counselors, financial aid experts, and more. To kick off this episode, let's talk math for a second. Yay, math, right? But stick with me, it's worth it. According to educationdata.org, the average annual cost to attend a community college is $10,300. And the Boston Foundation's report on pathways to economic mobility found that women in Massachusetts can earn up to $8,000 a year more with an associate's degree. For men, it's even better at an increase of up to $9,000 a year. If you work in the healthcare field, that number can be as high as an added $14,000 a year. So that $10,300 price tag doesn't look all that steep. Return on investment is only part of the conversation on this edition of College Guidance Now. Your host is Brennan Barnard. Brennan is the Director of College Counseling at the Dairyfield School and an advisor to Harvard's Making Caring Common project. Brennan's guest today is Dr. Charles Lloyd president of White Mountains Community College in Berlin, New Hampshire. Dr. Lloyd addresses the stigma that community college is viewed as something less than a four-year college, and he talks about ways that students and businesses should have some skin in the game of higher education. He also shares his views on President Biden's proposal to make community college free nationwide. We hope you find their discussion helpful and enjoyable. Well, welcome, Dr. Charles Lloyd. Chuck is the president of White Mountain Community College, and uh, he earned his bachelor's degree from Plymouth State University and his doctorate in education from Northeastern University. And Chuck began his career at New Hampshire Technical Institute, Concord's Community College, working in student life, teaching business and leadership classes, and coaching men's basketball. And uh, Chuck currently serves as the president of White Mountains Community College. Thanks for being here, Chuck. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. And uh, anytime I can talk about community colleges or White Mountains, I'm all in. You know that. Yeah, great. That's well. You know, I'd love just for our audience who don't know you, can you give us a, a sense for your path and how you got to where you are now? Sure, sure. Just a little background. Uh, first of all, I'm a New Hampshire guy through and through, born and raised in Franklin, New Hampshire. Go Tornadoes. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, Plymouth State was part of my track. I started at Keene State prior to that. Uh, snuck out of state to, uh, to Boston, to Northeastern uh, for a little while there. Uh, but my path, you know, it really started at NHTI right out of, uh, you know, right in Concord, New Hampshire. Uh, right out of college, I started in student activities and uh, I would say I pursued my passion, which was planning events and activities to engage students. Uh, parallel to that, I started coaching men's basketball with the, uh, the New Hampshire and, and New England famous Paul Hogan, the, the head basketball coach and a very winning coach, if you will, uh, and then got into teaching. So I found different ways of engaging students along the way through coaching, through teaching, through student activities. Uh, and then, you know, 19 years later, fast forward through different positions and administrative roles, uh, I was given the opportunity to serve as an interim president of White Mountains, and it was uh, it was very fast. First couple of months, I said, "Geez, I really want to be here. I want to stay here permanently." And and now I've been uh, president for a little over four years, and continue to try to serve the uh, the North Country and New Hampshire, and really the the Northern Region. 
uh, with, with college access. So pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, I feel blessed. I feel very lucky to have had the, the uh, career trajectory I have. Well, you've been a real leader in the state and a leader in the, in the community college space. So um, we're grateful. And, and you know, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how um, leading a college is uh, similar to uh, coaching a team. Wow, right into the sports analogy. Okay, <laughs> it's a softball, I suppose. Uh, the, uh, you know, I think the thing for me is you're always leading a team. You're leading a team, whether it's in a game, in a project, or some new initiative. And uh, you know, if the if the last 15, 16 months hasn't taught us anything, you know, leading teams through uh, diverse and in different times and balance, balancing obstacles against mission, uh, to me, that's you know, that's what team is all about. So uh, I see the similarities. I have an unbelievable college leadership team with my my vice presidents, my HR, my CFO uh, directors up there. I, I just you know, I, I couldn't be happier, but the, the similarities are in that, you know, we're constantly coaching, you know, we're constantly asking people to, to meet goals, we're encouraging them, we're empowering them, uh, but we're also celebrating, you know, I mentioned these last 15 months, you know, we've got to celebrate the small wins, you know, last September, we had an in-person face-to-face commencement for our 2020 grads, you got to celebrate that stuff along the way, uh, and we're, you know, to me, we're, the pandemic's not over, but, you know, coming out of it here a little bit, we've got to celebrate saying, geez, you know, we're, we're, we're changing screening techniques and use of masks and, you know, bringing more students back face to face. You have to celebrate some of those. So I, I think there are a lot of parallels and, and actually my college leadership team and, and a lot of the college faculty and staff give me a hard time about my, my coaching days because they always feel like I'm, I'm ongoing, uh, you know, in, in a game and coaching, but there are, it's a, it's a balance back and forth and there are a ton of parallels. Well, I love that idea of celebrating and, and, you know, I guess along those lines, what, what should we celebrate about community colleges and, and, and what, what misconceptions are there about community colleges? Yeah, well, I mean, I, in the reverse, what can't you celebrate about community colleges? But uh, I, I guess I'd start with saying there are some misconceptions and some of it is, you know, I hear every single time someone is done, you know, talking with us about the college or, or business and industry partners, they say, geez, this is really a, you know, a diamond in the rough or geez, you know, these are, you know, everyone really should know about this community college. It's like, well, how do you know? We, we've been here for over 50 years. The community college system in New Hampshire has been around for 80 years. And, you know, to me, it's uh, the misconception is that it's, it's for somebody else meaning that, you know, I'm going on to this four-year private university, whatever it is. Uh, but to me, the misconception is that it's less than, you know, lesser than, not as good as. Uh, and I would argue the opposite. You know, when, when people graduate, they're going out, they're getting great jobs, they're transferring on to some of these uh, very large, you know, colleges and universities. Uh, the difference being that we are more affordable, certainly, but also uh, provide, you know, increased student support services, wraparound support services to make sure people are successful. So, you know, the misconception is lesser than, and I would argue more than, uh, if I ever had to, to put a quote there. <laughs> yeah, that's great. What you mentioned kind of the transferring on to um, four-year colleges. Can you talk a little bit more about those, those agreements and those pathways? 
Yeah, so the, the fancy word is articulation agreement, but they are pathways, they're transfer pathways. And, and all colleges and universities at the four year or beyond uh, level have different agreements with different community colleges. Uh, in the state of New Hampshire, we've tried to do what's called block transfer, which all of our seven community colleges within the system have block transfer with Plymouth State University, Southern New Hampshire University, many other colleges and universities, so that if you complete your associate's degree, those credits and that degree will all transfer in. Uh, most recently with Plymouth State University, they have uh, the cluster model, if you're familiar with, they uh, bring people into specific problem solving. They call them solving wicked problems, uh, which I, I love the, the New Hampshire North Country twist on it. Yeah. Uh, my counterpart there uh, has been working diligently on, on the block transfer and, uh, and really being open to that direct transfer. So we, we start with the advising side of that early on, as early as high school, frankly, with uh, dual and concurrent enrollment, then students will come to us for whether a year, year and a half or two, once they complete, they continue their pathway. And uh, you know, we, we've tried to do some innovative things to the point where we're even offering, uh, Plymouth State University offers bachelor's degree courses on our campus in Berlin uh, to, you know, because that's an hour and 20 minutes away. So it's almost like a mini satellite of Plymouth State University. So we're trying to uh, meet students where they are and also uh, create additional pathways for students and their families. That's great. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, you mentioned kind of bachelor's degrees um, in a, a number of states, almost half the states in the U.S., I think, um, community colleges are awarding bachelor's degree. Has, has that impacted the landscape of community college enrollment? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly it, it keeps students there longer. I'm not sure necessarily people that start out going to a community college you know, always have that idea of, geez, while well, I'm here, I'm going to, you know, continue on or transfer on. But sometimes in that first or second year, students say, geez, if I stay here where I'm already comfortable, know people, know the faculty, have the supports, why not continue on while I'm here? Uh, and that's really, you know, helped for retention, persistence, and ultimately completion, which at the end of the day is, is the ultimate goal. Uh, and, and, you know, in the state of New Hampshire, technically, uh, by statute, we are allowed to offer bachelor's degrees at community colleges. A lot of folks don't know that. Uh, but one of the things, we just had great partnerships with our four-year colleges and universities, so we haven't seen the need. Sure, when, when you know, I just had a commencement in May, and a lot of students said, geez, if I offered a bachelor's degree, we would stay right here. So we're trying to fill that void with some of the things like Plymouth State University offering those courses, but also agreements. Uh, and community college enrollment, you know, you mentioned the bachelor's degree and it, it ends up keeping more students and, you know, it tends to be about half of the overall enrollment in the U.S. are at community colleges, some of it for that reason. Yeah, that's great. I mean, so, so who, if, if half the enrollment in the U.S. is community college, um, who, what type of students should consider community college? Well, I'll, I'll lean on what I said, you know, probably a few minutes back is, you know, why not everyone consider a community college? And you know, I know technically, you know, people are thinking right after high school, right? Where are you going to college? That's always the question at the barbecue after high school graduations, right? Uh, but really, it's, you know, you don't have to go to, you know, community college right away. A lot of people go off to some of these four-year schools and say, geez, you know, it might have been a, a better fit at a community college. It's closer to home. It's more affordable. But also folks that went right into the career field or even military service uh, tend to take some time. You know, they come back at 25, 30 years old, 35. 
uh, at my uh, my commencement speech, you know, I, I said, you know, typically we're we're 18 to 80. Well, this year graduating, uh, we had 16 year olds and we had 76 year olds. So, uh, you know, in the 76 year old was adorable. You know, she's going across the stage, and I look out what I assume was her her granddaughter saying, "Yay, Nana!" and oh, just cheering on on the the shoulders of her son, and it was just it's magical. I mean, community colleges are truly a family atmosphere because you you can be sitting in one class next to an 18 year old, next to a 50, 60 year old. Uh, just taking a course, completing a certificate, short-term credential, degree, you name it. So uh, it's for everyone. Community colleges are for everyone. That's great. I, you mentioned the 16-year-old um, on the on that end of the spectrum. Is that a dual enrollment thing? Or it, can you talk a little bit about dual enrollment and how that plays out? Yeah, so more and more opportunities for high school students. So starting your sophomore year, you can take college courses. So if students map it out correctly, they can start taking, uh, you know, whether it's a, a science course or actually get on a, a pathway. So you can you have the option of an a la carte, a course here, a course there, or you can be fully, you know, enrolled in uh, in both uh, programs at the same time. So students are coming out of college now with 30, 40, 50 college credits uh, coming out of high school. Right. Uh, and interestingly enough, I just attended uh, Littleton High School's uh, graduation. Uh, a student who was graduating from the high school also earned her associate degree and we presented her both degrees at the same time on the stage. Uh, it was pretty neat, you know, and she's going off to a four-year school, but she already has her associate degree now this summer. So pretty wow. impressive. Are you seeing, are you seeing trends in, in transfer rates um, from, you know, students who do go off to four-year colleges or um, are at other schools and are transferring into community colleges? We see, you know, at the, the time of the year we see a lot of the reverse transfer back is, is in the spring. A lot of people go off in the fall to what they thought was their dream school and maybe it wasn't a fit. So in the spring, we typically see a lot of that. We see what I, what I call swoop-ins during the summer uh, where folks are off at college. They'll come in, take two, three courses to save money, to stay on track or catch back up and then transfer them back out in the fall. So those four-year students typically have a couple of different trends, whether it's spring or summer. Uh, and also we're seeing more of the, the on their way to four years, meaning you know they come out with those 30 or 40 credits, like I had mentioned, and they may come just for the summer to finish off or summer and fall, and then go off with that completed associate degree. Uh, because as you know, when you, when you go to a four-year college or university, you know, if you don't have something under your belt already and say, geez, you get all the way to junior year and life got in the way, it's nice to have that associate degree to fall back on as well. So you have a credential. Right. And, and New Hampshire has just um, offered free community college courses to recent graduates. Isn't that right? Yeah. And, and I want to, you know, quick shout out to the New Hampshire Charitable Foundation. You know, by offering free, it means the Charitable Foundation is supporting it financially. So any student who matriculates really enrolls in the fall, we're buying one of their courses. And what that means is if you were planning to come anyways, great. We want to give you basically 20% of your fall paid for. But if you weren't sure if community college or college in general is right for you, come try it out no cost, you know, no string attached to it. Come take a course. If it works out, great. Let's take a few more. If it doesn't, no harm, no foul. And the worst thing that happened is you walk away with some additional education. 
So it's really trying to increase the, uh, uh, the post-graduate going rate, you know, college going rates, but also, you know, you know as well as I do. I mean, they, we need more people with advanced skills just trying to keep up in the economy. And, uh, you know, it's trying to keep New Hampshire students here as well because we need employees. <laughs> totally. And, yeah, I mean, workforce development, not just in New Hampshire, but nationwide is a huge issue. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of talk on the national stage about um, free community college programs. And um, I'd be interested in your thoughts on that and, you know, what you would say to skeptics of, the, of, of that portion of uh, President Biden's plan. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of different versions proposed. I'm curious to see what ends up coming through legislation. Uh, from a personal perspective, I, I think that the K to 16 model makes a lot of sense, uh, even if it's K 14 to start with, with free community college. Uh, but I'm also a strings attached guy. I personally believe, you know, nothing in this world is free. You should have to earn it. Uh, in that, you know, if students uh, come for uh, free community college, I'd like to see whether it's some service hours attached to that volunteerism, uh, you know, the co-op out in business and industry model, uh, something so they are earning it somehow. But also if, you know, say you're getting free community college in New Hampshire, you know, committing to two or three years working in New Hampshire, uh, I just, I think there, there have to be some strings attached that necessarily uh, provide experience as well. So when you come out with that community college associate degree, you also have two years, three years of experience in an industry, which, you know, as well as I do, when people are hiring now, if you've got the, the credential and the experience, it starts you at a higher livable wage. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think people also have to have skin in the game, right? I mean, I, um, I say this a lot to the families with whom I work that, you know, even if they can afford full tuition, um, the parents can, that um, it makes sense for students to have some investment in, in that um, education. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think, I think return on investment is a huge um, talking point right now in, in four-year schools and two-year schools, community colleges. Um, and, you know, I'm interested in your, your thoughts on the kind of return on investment of community colleges and, and, and what you see in that space. Sure, and I'll even just dive quicker into that free community college for a second before ROI. And you know, I played with models in my head as soon as I started, you know, hearing about free community college because our, our local legislative uh, delegates always ask. And you know, I, I played with this first of all, you know, the last dollar idea, meaning that you know students who are eligible for financial aid and Pell recipients, let's tuck in the last dollar, not necessarily first. Let's use that. Uh, but secondary, you know, to that, I also thought of what's called a, a waterfall technique meaning students come and they pay for their first semester in full, however they can. That's typically when they're coming out of high school or whatnot, they've got some scholarship dollars. Let them really pay up front and have some skin in the game, to your point. After that, as they go each semester, you decrease the amount they have to pay to, you know, to really uh, promise persistence, if you will, increase retention the next year around. So maybe it drops by 25% each semester. So maybe their last semester is free. That really would encourage completion. Uh, but also keeps it affordable. So I've played with crazy ideas like that. I love uh, that idea. <laughs> you know, skin in the game. And regarding ROI, uh, River Valley Community College and White Mountains Community College, uh, we tend to have what's uh, known as the Social Mobility Index, two of the highest rates, uh, certainly in New Hampshire and New England, 
where students can come in at a very low socioeconomic status and move up at least two quintiles, which means they are starting out at, you know, maybe lower class, lower middle class, moving up to middle and upper class uh, and really providing for their families and offering the, the opportunity for lifetime earnings between 500 and three quarters of a million dollars more uh, over the course of their lifetime. So significant ROI, I'm glad you asked that because that's something we're most proud about. And that's something literally we just saw at commencement, students walking off the stage and we've got you know family, friends, but business and employers literally ready to hire them and make job offers. So uh, that's the fun stuff. Yeah, and if you look at that kind of on a yearly basis, I know the, um, the Boston Foundation just uh, released a report last week on pathways to economic mobility. And um, they found that in Massachusetts, community college completion leads to um, increases as much as 14,000 um, annually in salary in some fields. Um, so there's, there's certainly, um, certainly evidence. Um, what, do you, what do you see as um, kind of, um, you know, they, that report kind of identified some specific fields. Are there um, more popular programs at, at um, White Mountain that you've seen? Um, and, you know, how has that changed in the last five, 10 years? Sure. And uh, yeah, I saw that report. I mean, $14,000 more a year. I mean, that pays back your community college experience in one year's time, right? Just with that. So, I mean, that's, there's your ROI instantly. Uh, where else can you say you can spend that money and get it back in a year? I, I can't do that in the stock market right now. I can tell you that. No. Uh, the, uh, you know, there are programs where the, it's much higher. I mean, that is just an average, uh, certainly. And, uh, you know, I, I always start with healthcare. You know, people come in, healthcare is very big in the North Country. Uh, we have three locations in the North Country. We're in Littleton, we're in North Conway, we're in Berlin. So we have uh, large hospitals in each of our areas, but also a lot of uh, outpatient clinics, et cetera, uh, county nursing homes. So uh, students who come in with a high school diploma, they may even have an LNA. Uh, now it's a medical assistant, now it's an LPN, even a nursing degree. Uh, our nursing program is very strong, uh, and that's in the last five or six years has really come back and increased, uh, and our, our pass rates on the NCLEX will put, a, will put against anybody because we've been hovering around 99 or 100% pass rates on the boards uh, all the time. Uh, some of the other programs I always talk about are our welding program. In the last you know, six or seven years, this has grown significantly to have 40 plus welders come out of a one-year certificate program and go be hired at, you know, Bath Ironworks, the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard, all these places that are paying $25, $26, $27 an hour, you know, where students walking in were, you know, you know, McDonald's, Walmart, you name it, whatever it might be, $12, $13 an hour. So instantly doubling their hourly wage. Uh, and we have our diesel heavy equipment program working on uh, off-road and on-road equipment as well. Again, a, a two-year program that students are walking out making that similar amount of money. Uh, so literally doubling their hourly wage with a one or two-year program. So these are, uh, these are what I call the, you know, the, the quickest ROI, but we also have the transfer students. Now let's not leave the transfer students you know, aside here. Come for, you know, our most popular program is, is liberal arts. Students come in, they get their associate degree, they go on to a Plymouth State, Grand State College, you name it. Uh, and then when they get their bachelor's degree, they're out into the workforce with that doubled, uh, you know, career earnings as well. So, uh, you know, there are just different pathways, as you, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of different pathways, but the ROI is there, the, uh, you know, the long-term earnings are there and, you know, quality of life, frankly. 
Yeah, I just saw a report that um, the only place that humanities degrees are growing in numbers is community colleges. Um, so it's pretty exciting to see. It speaks to what you just said. Yes, um, it is. So uh, crystal ball time, um, you know, as you look out five or 10 years um, in what, what predictions would you make or what, what are the biggest changes you see coming in post-secondary education? I think the days of starting and stopping college are, are long gone, meaning swooping in and uh, coming out of high school and putting life on pause for four years or five years and just going to college. I think a lot of that, uh, particularly for the, the uh, older workforce, is gone. So what I mean by that is shorter term credentials while you're working, you know, coming back for uh, skills, competencies but also parallel, meaning learning while you earn. And that's an apprenticeship model. Uh, that's a, you know, in a night course or an online course while you're working. But I also think there's, a, there's gonna be a, a move, you know, whether pre-college comes or not, business and industry employers are gonna have to have a little more skin in the game. You know, we get calls all the time from employers. I need employees. I need people to, to be in the pipeline and come out as graduates. Well, we first need to entice them to go into these programs. I always say, if you build it, they don't always come. We're happy to build programs. That's what we do at the community college level. We create new programs, but we need to entice those employees to come get the training and then guarantee them a job after. So, you know, to give you a quick example, there are, you know, we, we talked with the New Hampshire and Vermont uh, Construction Association and they said, we need more contractors. I said, I know I can't get one to come to my house. We definitely need more contractors. So what that looks like is having some of the construction companies say, all right, let's support a group of students to go through this training and then guarantee them jobs after. And it has to be a co-recruitment model all along the way. So I see a lot of those aspects, you know, really enhancing. I think business and, and industry is, is ready to do some of that stuff. And, uh, you know, we're starving for employees, that's for sure. That's great. I, so um, as we kind of wrap up here, I just want to ask two more questions and, and one is more general and then one kind of on the admission, the admission process. Um, you mentioned wicked problems earlier. Um, what, are, what are some of the wicked problems that um, community colleges have as a system? And then um, what are some of the wicked problems or the hurdles that students face um, in this day and age? Sure. Well, first, I want to attribute the wicked problems. Don Burks, the president at uh, Plymouth State University, that's his, his term and, and infusion into the curriculum. So I want to give him full credit. Great guy. Uh, wicked problems. I'd say the biggest problem for community colleges you know, across the nation uh, is stigma. And the stigma of uh, lesser than, not as good as, uh, you know, kind of looked down upon. And uh, uh, Steve Robinson, if you've done any of the, the research around uh, his work out at Owens Community College, uh, president there, he started a whole hashtag and campaign around end community college stigma. And it's really about, you know, we're just as good as, if not better than, in some areas. And let's celebrate those things and not look down at, you know, what we can't do. You know, we don't have, you know, large, you know, climbing walls and, you know, all these, you know, frills and whatnot. But, you know, when, when we put our professors, our faculty against others, you know, we are right there. You know, I often say we share faculty. I, I'll tell you the same adjunct faculty who sometimes teach for us, teach at Plymouth State, Northern Vermont University, you name it. So, uh, we're just as good as, if not better than in some areas. We, uh, I also say White Mountains, we, we fight above our weight a lot of times. Uh, so I think that's the, the side there. For students, for students, I think the, the wicked problem is, you know, choice, uh, information overload, 
too much uh, communication sometimes from some areas, but being able to sit down and look at apples to apples comparisons when making decisions. Uh, I spent a, a chunk of my time in the admissions uh, office in there and students would come and say, wow, this place, this is great. And I actually said in another class, I can see myself here. So it's taking the time to, to really go whatever college or university or community college you choose to you know, visit or, or make a decision about, spend some time there, look in the mirror and say, can I see myself here? But also, you know, look at not just the finances, that is one piece, but we talk about student success. You know, everyone at the community college level is hired with the focus and mission on student success. So whatever it takes to get you through. Uh, so for students, it's, to me, it's information overload, but, you know, having them really drill down to say, you know, what do I want my experience? What do I need to get out of this? And if it's a football stadium with 130,000 people on a Saturday for a football game, fine. You know, that's, that's you know, but, but to me, I, I focus on the education, the career pathway, uh, and, and nothing against any of those. You heard my background. I went to different colleges, but, uh, you know, again, the, the future is really going to be about competency, about earnings, about uh, job placement and uh, skill attainment. Those are important questions to ask. And, and, and so just as, as we wrap up, what, what, are, what are the questions that students should be asking about admission? How is admission and financial aid different um, as students are looking at community colleges? Sure, sure. So having lived in the admissions world, I can tell you some of the questions they do ask versus the ones they should. And, you know, you and I, I think have talked in the past about just our terminology, our language, in that people come and say, all right, I don't know what a bursar is. I don't know what a registrar is. And, and really, you know, frankly, being more clear about our language, this is how you register for a course. This is how you apply. This is how you pay your bill. Uh, so some of that's on our end. Those are things we need to, to adjust and fix and, and frankly have started doing. But when students walk into the admissions office, it's, uh, okay, how, what is this process? What do you need from me? How do I fill out the application? Is there a cost to it? Simultaneously, can I also complete financial aid? And, and the answer is yes to all of that. We don't have a, a cost for our application. It is free. It is online. Uh, it's easy to do. And we'll literally, we mail people applications. If you don't have a computer, you don't have internet, we mail you an application, let you complete it and send it back. So uh, that's part of the, you know, our philosophy around meeting students where they are. Uh, as far as financial aid goes, we do a ton of financial aid counseling. When you walk in, we have you complete the information and, and sidebar here, I'm excited to see the financial aid application is gonna be a little easier, you know, take some questions away, thank goodness. Uh, but also, you know, it has been a barrier. We have students we know in the past who were eligible for financial aid, but just could not do the paperwork or get their tax forms, et cetera. Uh, so we think that's going to help the process. And, and I don't call it handholding. I call it shuffling, but we uh, will help students get right through the process uh, as easy as possible. Well, Chuck, thanks so much for joining us. And um, you are a, a true gift to, to our state and to education and to uh, the students with whom you work. And so um, really, really are grateful. And, um, you know, thanks for, thanks for all you do and all you are. Well, thanks so much for the invitation. Obviously great to see you again. And uh, I can talk about community colleges all day long. So I look forward to the next time. According to bestcolleges.com, radiation therapy, nuclear technology, and dental hygiene are all fields where an associate's degree can yield a median salary of $75,000 or more. Did you know that June is Careers Month at College Guidance Network? Please check out our CGN short series at collegeguidancenetwork.com. 
you'll see the story of Felicity Carrier, simultaneously running her own business and pursuing an associate's degree. And you'll learn exactly what career and technical education is and how to approach career exploration from middle school to high school and beyond. That's it for College Guidance Now. If you liked this podcast, please share it with a friend, rate it, review it, and be sure to look out for more expert advice on collegeguidancenetwork.com. We have live events, an extensive video library, and downloadable toolkits. Thanks for listening.